we're going to talk about two covenants. And these covenants will change your life. These covenants will change the misery. Remember, pain is optional, but misery, uh, pain is uh, unavoidable, but misery is optional. And that was painful, the Grand Central thing that I told you about. And God taught me this too. $93 million every two weeks was what we sold from the brochure. And if we didn't produce, if we were one day late, divide 14 into 93 million, and you know how fast I would have been fired. If we were one day late, people smoking me, people telling me that they were doing stuff and they weren't doing it, people that I didn't have, I didn't even know what the covenant meant at that time. I wasn't saved. But, but, I, but God gave it to me. He gave me a concept. And then I, for our purposes, I said we're going to call it a workload covenant, and then we're going to talk about an accountability covenant. The first is the workload covenant, and this all has to do with working with your team here because you're broke. See, you're the broker of God's work. You're the broker of God's work. You're supposed to be disseminating his work. You receive something from the Lord, and your first response is, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? Your first response is, who can I give this to? Not how can I do this. You're not the doer anymore. I, not how can I do this. Who can I give this to? Change your paradigm. Change your mindset. And you're the broker of God's work. I mean, how is he going to get it done if you don't give it to him? We've established that by now. But here's what happens. You look at the skeleton crew of you managed, that you managed to keep and, and uh, train. And so you're trying to, to disseminate or broker out God's work by the skeleton, all the mandates that he's given you. All the man, and he keeps piling them on. He keeps adding and adding. It's, it's never ending. It's compounding increase here. Continues. And so that it gets more voluminous. And if we don't keep more people and train more people, it becomes overwhelming. And we know about the casualty. But, but you are timid in disseminating or brokering out God's work. Why? Well, because you you have such compassion for people. But it's really not compassion. It's timidity. And you weren't given that spirit. But we, here's what happens. We, we, we got to give this out here. Here's the, here's the next assignment from God, and it's got an E on it. It's, the, it's evan start evangelism. Or uh, you have evangelism, but let's ratchet it up and make it really impactful now. Let's, let's take it to another level. Okay, so it's got an E on it. And you've got to give this to somebody. You've got, you've got, we're going to talk about organization next, but you've got to give this to somebody. And, so you look, and it belongs in Billy Bob's box. He's the guy who's in the box for evangelism. That's his assignment. But look at him. I mean, he look at the guy, I mean, the guy looks whipped. Look at him. Bags under his eyes. Ugh, he looks terrible. I, I can't give it to him. He must be totally fried. Peggy Sue. Yeah, I could give it to her, because every time I give her an assignment, she just gets so excited. She gets this far off the floor and doesn't stop bouncing for about eight seconds. She gets so excited about, but no, nah, but no. Nah. The last time I gave her something to do, she only got this far off the floor, and she didn't bounce but for a second or two, and that was it. She, she's obviously ticked off at me, giving her too much to do. So I'll just have to do it myself. That's it. 
and that's what you do. Now you're right back to where we started. Can't function like that. We have to, we have to be the broker of God's work. But we're not into abuse, but we have to have a covenant. And it's real simple. This is how it works. It's so simple we've overlooked it. I did. And you are. But we have a covenant. And so when we put somebody in an assignment, first of all, we get a commitment. Can you handle this? We talked about that. And we sell them off of it. Are you sure you can handle this? You sure you want to be in that box? You sure you can handle it given various circumstances? So you're trying to sell them off the commitment. But then they make a commitment to it. Doesn't matter. Volunteer, paid staff, doesn't matter. When they make a commitment, it's unto God. And bless God, you better do it. You better honor the commitment. So, so we, we give them every opportunity to say no and get to that. So, so when we have something that has to go, for example, in the e-box to Billy Bob, he's in the e-box. Then all we have to do is like that, into the e-box. But that's going to be a little shocking to Billy if we haven't worked this way before. So what we want to do is explain to him what this covenant is. So we tell him, when God gives me an assignment, and it belongs in your box, and you're telling your whole team this. You're all in different boxes. When God gives me an assignment, I am not going to give it any thought about whether you can handle it or not. I don't know. You're the one who knows whether you can handle it or not. I'm not going to give it any thought. It's just going directly, boom, right into your box. I'm the distributor of God's work. I'm the disseminator. I'm the broker of his work. So it's going right into your box. But here's the covenant we have because I'm not into abuse. I love you. I care about you. I care about your relationship with God. I care about your relationship with your family and then the work of the ministry. But we have to have a covenant. And when this goes into your box, the covenant is if you can't handle it, then you need to tell me because nobody knows better whether you can handle it or not but you. And then we will sit down. I give you a safe harbor to be honest with me and tell me you can't handle it. Now, don't placate me because I'm your pastor or because you love God and you say the way, the way you love God is say yes to anything and not, not do it. That's not the way this works. You, I give you a safe harbor to tell me you can't handle it and then be honest about it. Then we're going to sit down and we're going to reason together. We're going to reason together. We're going to figure out what we're going to do about this. So we have to state that is the workload covenant. If you feel you're unable to handle any assignment, your responsibility is to tell me about it immediately. I give you a safe harbor to do that, and we can sit down and reason together. Not Reasoning is not, what do you mean you can't do it? What have you been doing, goofing off? No, that we reason together by what's on your plate. What could we do for you to be able to handle this? Well, Pastor... One option, I think, would be if you could give me another week or two on these things, we could move them down, we could slot it in here, I could get it done by that date. Okay, great. Or, no, that won't work. We can't move these down because, for whatever the reason is. So that won't work. So what else could we do? See, you're asking, what are you asking? Questions. You don't know. They know. Okay, so they should. So then, well, we could, no, that won't work either. What we, then a couple options would be, if, if we can't find anything that works, maybe we have to give them some help. Maybe we have to put this on the shelf. Yes, sometimes we do, until we get more people and train more of the ones we keep. 
We may have to put it on the shelf. We may have to assign it to someone else who maybe has a little lesser load and could handle it at this point. Or give them half the assignment. And could you do... Okay, but the other way we reason is we say, now let's see here. Show me what's on your plate. Let's see your status report. Let's see your list of responsibilities, your priorities and lists. Uh, who's doing this one here? What about this one? Who have you delegated that to on your team? Oh, well, listen, Pastor, I know how important that is to God. And so I'm the only one who can really please God on our team. So I, I do it. I do that. I, I'm working on that one. So you're, you haven't delegated that? What about this one here, the second one? Well, that's the project that I know that's your favorite project. That's so important to you. So I want to make sure it's done just right. So I, I'm, I'm, I do that myself. What about this one here? Oh, well, that's Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> you know, she, uh, she likes things just so. And incidentally, guys, we've got to get over the liking things just so. I'm not talking about a lack of excellence. But I've seen, I've come out of at, at meetings like last night and where there's a 20-year anniversary celebration come out of the green room, and I hear, I hear the spouse saying, oh, Harold, look at the colors. Oh, don't they know we never use those colors? This is ruining it for me. And look at the crepe paper. Look at that. Look at the, look at the, there's, don't they know there's eight twists for every 15 feet? <laughs> You're twisted, lady. <laughs> if it doesn't have something to do with the Great Commission, get over it. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about lack of excellence. Don't That's get me right. wrong. That's right. Okay. But so they're delegating. They're not, de they're not delegating. They're this. She's this. Not delegating. No wonder she can't do anything. She's maxed out. Can't handle it. Okay, so now we have a teachable moment. We need to be sitting down talking about this because she's defying the mechanism that we're putting in place here. Okay, so that's how we reason together. Workload covenant. It's that simple. The accountability covenant. I've given them an assignment. In this case, Billy Bob's got the e-box thing going. And I've given him the assignment. And now I have to have a covenant with him. So he has confirmed for me that he understood. We've, I covered that already. He's confirmed that he understood the assignment. But he, he said he understood. He bobblehead. You, you can't go by that. How many times have you given somebody an assignment and do you understand? And they, oh, yes, you know, or you don't even ask them that question. You just assume they understand. <laughs> and then they get a month down here, down the road, however long it takes to develop the plan, and you pass them in the hall or you're sitting in the meeting with them. Hey, Billy, how's, that, how's it going? Man, we're, we're, when are we going to receive that plan? What is the date you're down for? It's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, I can't wait. To, we're going to, boy, people's lives are going to be changed. People are going to get saved. Praise the Lord. I can't wait to see the plan. And Billy Bob says, what? We weren't really clear on what you meant, Pastor. Huh? A month later, not clear on what you meant. The time that I got to know whether you're clear on what I meant is right now. Okay, confirm for me what it is you understand. Repeat back. Speak it into being. So there can't be any excuses. I didn't understand because he spoke it into being and everybody else on the team heard him. Speak it into being. What, what do you understand? Tell us. And it's real easy to do if they're taking notes and they just read it. 
And then the next thing is, can you make a commitment to this? And then we even sell them off. Are you sure? Mom, the homeschooling, you sure? Yeah, okay. Then, well, we still have to have now the covenant. What's that? It's this. If anything... So they've confirmed that they understood and you acknowledge that and I couldn't sell you off of it and you made a commitment so there's no excuses. It's good to rehearse that a few times till they get it. And then, now, if anything should occur that would in any way jeopardize successful completion of this project the way I directed it, the way you agreed to do it, by the date we both agreed it would be done, then your responsibility is to come to me immediately and tell me what you're going to do to fix it. Let's do it again. It, well, you don't have to do it again. You can read it. You can take it home with you. But let's break it down. If anything should occur, that's anything. Not whatever they discer discern or decide they want to tell you. Anything should occur. See, they're not dumping on you because they're going to, at the end, remember, how they're going to fix it. It's an issue with a recommendation, like we talked about. So if anything should occur that would in any way jeopardize, anyway, jeopardize the successful completion of this project the way I directed it, not the way they decided to do it. The way I directed it, the way they agreed and confirmed that they were going to do it by the date we both agreed it would be done. And the date has to be, you know, a date, not ASAP. When's that? How do you measure ASAP? It has to be October 19th at 5.39 p.m. because at 5.40 we're late. That's the way we need to run God's business, the way it works out there. We're not into abuse, but we're into efficiency and timeliness and meeting commitments. So if anything should occur that would in any way jeopardize the successful completion of this project, the way I directed it, you agreed to do it by the date we agreed it would be done, then your responsibility is to come and tell me about it immediately, but as you tell me about it, you're going to tell me what you're going to do to fix it. So in other words, you give them an assignment right here, and they get going merrily along the way, and they bang into a tree, or they trip into a pothole. And then now, without this, they come back to you, and they say, Pastor, remember the direction you gave me, or leader? Well, we hit a tree. And they stare at you. We've got to have people that can think about how to get around the tree. And not only do they have to be able to get around the tree or out of the pothole, but they have to know how to catch up so we can still meet the deadline. That's not an excuse for missing the deadline. For God, he's on, he's on time, on season. So we, let's catch, we got to catch up. What's the plan to make up for what just happened? You didn't tell me what it is. So that's what the accountability covenant is. And it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's proper for them to come and tell you there is an issue. We just had a problem, and here's what I plan to do about it. I would go to my boss. I would say, we just encountered this situation. It's going to jeopardize this thing. I'm going to meet with the team this afternoon, and I'll let you know tomorrow what we're going to do about it. It's pretty simple. That doesn't steal his anointing to know there's a problem as long as he knows somebody's working on it. And he doesn't have to stay up all night thinking about it, worrying about it. I stay up all night until I have a solution to get it back on track. That's commitment to do whatever it takes. Okay. Those are the covenants. The next thing I want to do quickly, <laughs> you're not listening fast enough, that's for sure. I want to talk about organization. 
I, I, can't, I can't leave you hanging here without talking about organization. How do you organize your ministry to meet God's mandates? Here's the problem that we have in ministry. This is why it's so important. I want to do this with you now. I want to I get this into the material. I don't want to leave this out. But organizing your ministry, we must organize your ministry by God's mandates. By God's mandates. You cannot organize your ministry by the skeleton crew of warm bodies you manage to keep and train. There are not enough of them yet. There never will be enough of them. But you have to have a design that shows what the ministry has to look like to accommodate what God asks you to do. So we have to design the ministry or the organization to look like it could get that done. Now, you won't have enough people, but at least we'll be facing reality of what we need. And when we're staring this organization chart in, our, in the face, then we're going to be more inclined to start filling the holes in the organization and filling the boxes because everybody on the team is sitting here looking at the organization chart that has holes all over the place and boxes that are not filled. But we have to design the ministry to match what God asked us to do, right? You can't just keep going along with the understaffing of people and assuming we're going to make it someday. So how do we do that? Well, there's, let me put three steps over here. One, two, and three. Three easy-to-understand steps three difficult steps to achieve. Number one, we need to have a box for every function. A box for every function. And every function is circled there because it means every function. In other words, it means the sub-functions of a function. So, if, in other words, if we have the e-box, or we, had, we got evangelism here, that's a main umbrella function of evangelism. But there are sub-functions to evangelism. And I'll just make up some here. Don't, you don't, don't design your ministry this way, but let me just illustrate something. So, we have a box for every function. So, here's the e-box. And we put Billy Bob in there and say, make it happen. And it doesn't happen. And you know that. It certainly doesn't happen to the degree that you need it to happen, right? And Billy Bob is the doer of evangelism. There's nobody else. There's nobody else drawn out here. Billy Bob's the doer of evangelism. We established that doesn't work. Nobody works alone, and everybody is a leader. Everybody should have a team. So there are subcomponents. Every function, there are subcomponents to evangelism. Like what? Don't design your ministry this way. Just let me make an, let me draw an illustration here. There's outreach evangelism, event evangelism, one-on-one -on -one evangelism, uh, marketplace evangelism, let's just say, and graphics that produce the tracks for outreach and the uh, direct mail for events and the little thing you pass out showing a picture of the pastor and Mrs. Pastor and the uh, picture of the church and what it says we want to do for people, okay? That, so that's in marketplace, you know, where 
we are a living Bible at work instead of putting Jesus stickers on their computer screens. <laughs> you know, so, so that's, these are the sub-functions of evangelism, every, every function. So we need, we need to draw it out like this. If this is children's ministry, as I nursery, kids this, kids that, to toddlers, kids this, super kids, whatever. You break it down. You've got to break it down to the sub-functions of everything. And we get, now we're going to do that. We're going to fill out the chart, and we're going to have all these boxes, way more boxes than you've got people. But at least we're going to have a plan. At least we're going to be facing reality, and we say, we've got to fill these boxes. Just It's another fact that's on the table, we've got to fill these holes. And you're going to aggressively do that only if you're facing reality and you've got something in front of you that you are aiming to achieve. Okay, so we've got a box for every function. Then we have to have a name, a name in every box, a name in every box. And I've implied that already. So there needs to be a name in every box because until there's a name in these boxes, Billy is still the doer. Right? But we get a name. Now, if we have a name in the first two boxes here, here's Sally and here's Fred. Billy is the leader of Sally and Fred and the doer of the other three things. And as you build your teams, that's what you're going to have until you build a full complement of a team to cover all the bases. Okay? But you know how this is not working right now when you don't have names down here and it's just Billy Bob. So here we go. We're, we're in the meeting and we're going around here and okay, Billy, report in on evangelism. Boy, people getting saved. Huh? Things are changing. We're reaching people, touching souls. Praise the God. Lay it. Praise the Lord. Lay it on us, Billy. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's sort of cranked up like that and laying, a little laying, go, no, what, I mean, but, you know, come on, Billy, what's going on? Give us a report here. Well, um, what about, Billy, what about, come on, outreach, where's that stand? Well, I haven't quite gotten to that yet. Did you get the key word there? I? Yeah, I didn't quite get to that. What, you didn't, you haven't done anything with outreach? No. Listen to nobody here. Uh, well, what about, what, what about, I've been working on events. It, I mean, it's really been pretty tying me up on events. You, you, so, yeah, didn't you just have an event? Yeah, we did. Well, what happened? Well, we had the power singers in. Well, how did that go? Well, they really powered it out. And, I mean, no, I mean, not, and I mean, how many people got saved? 32. 32. Terrific. 32 people got saved? Well, not exactly. 32 peep, peep, marginal deception. 32 people were here. 32 people were here. How much should we pay those people? Five grand. Five grand? Well, who were those people? Well, they're mostly from our church. We paid five grand to entertain 32 people from our church? Sort of like, yes, sir, sort of kind of like that. How, Billy, how could that happen? How could, well, you see, I, I did get to graphics. That's how it happened. You did get to graphics. Honesty, Billy. Well, I mean, by, by, I was just a little bit late getting to graphics. What does that mean, Billy? A little bit late getting to graphics? Well, it was, the problem was that uh, 
I got there just a little bit late and the, the mailing went out. It didn't get there until the Monday after the concert. How much did we pay for that? Three grand. Eight grand to entertain 32 people from our church. And this happens all the time. I don't know why you're not crying. Why? I'm, I'm glad you're still laughing. But there, there's, there's hope. <laughs> so this doesn't work, obviously. So come on, we have to make a change. We have to, so we have to have a name in every box here. Then Billy has a team, and we're going to get something done. So they can all be serving under Billy here. It's his, te his team. But that still isn't going to work. Remember the funnel over there? We've got to go further down. So number three is a team. And the reason I circle this A is because eventually, now right now, you leaders, bless your hearts, you're serving in three or four or five different areas of ministry. I can see you nodding your head. I'm glad you can still move it. You know. <coughs> yeah, you're serving in three or four or five different areas of ministry. And, and you're awesome. And, and, and don't, amen. And don't move. And, yeah. And don't move. Yet. But... We can't have that. It's, and thank God for you. So don't stay right there. But we've got to work out of this. Because if you're in three, I told you, you've you got two meetings here. One with your leader and one with your team. And if you're in three areas, that's six meetings. And if you're four, it's eight meetings. It doesn't work. And you can only be on one team at a time to do it right. So stay where you are, but when we get this thing perfected, you'll be able to have a reasonable life and we're going to start getting something done again. So then we need a team under every name. A team under every name. Otherwise these people are working alone. So that means we need a team under here. I won't draw the boxes but you know we're building teams under here. Now you're beginning to see why. When you play this out for that's just evangelism. You play it out for all the other facets of your ministry, you can understand why we need this. Right? So, now, the next, so this team here, we're still building this team. There's a couple people missing here. Here they come out of the pipeline. We plug them right in here, and they get involved in building this aspect of the ministry, or this aspect of the ministry, whatever it is. They get on a team. They don't have to be a genius. They don't even know how, to have to know how to do it. All we need is their wisdom, counsel, and understanding. And here's another thing. Obviously, you want to put people where their giftings are. I mean, that makes sense. You want to put them where, and generally where they want to be. Usually that connects with their gifting. But let's get real here. You got needs. God has needs. You have to put people where God has needs, and you have the needs for, to meet his mandates. So you've got you to gotta put people where they don't necessarily want to serve, and you've got to put people where you have holes. And you could tell them it's not a life sentence, but would you give us six months or a year? And we need your help. What, we need your wisdom. Understand. Well, yeah, but I want to be with it. You know, and I'm only good over here. I could do all things through Christ just with this kind of a thing. So we need their wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge on the team. They can offer that. 
doesn't matter what team. They have wisdom. They have counsel. They have understanding. They have knowledge. And they'll gain more and more of it and become more and more valuable. But mainly, we're teaching them how to work with one another and get on a team. And then we can send them. We can send them up in the organization to take on more responsibility. The entry-level people then become the team leaders someday. Because we need, now we need to move Billy Bob up to take care of 15 and t- the 10 to 15. Well, we can't move Billy Bob if these people aren't capable of replacing Billy Bob. And you got your hands tied behind your back until Billy gets somebody trained. Again, that's why behavior is so important. If they don't train and develop the people under them, and if you're intent upon starting other ministries, having multi-sites and satellite, the only way that's going to happen is you've got more and more and more depth. But right now, we can't even move people within the ministry to cover the bases because we're not doing these things. So a team under every name, that's the formula. Now, when we do that for all of the, every function in the entire ministry, then yeah, your ministry's going to look like Swiss cheese, holes all over the place. There's going to be hole, a hole up here. There's going to, and then the deep, it'll be a hole. And this is just one, one remember, one slot down here. It's times five. If, if we play this out properly, it goes way out to here, way down to here. But, you know, holes here, here, holes here, here, and here. And then maybe from there on, it's nothing but holes. Or for some of you, maybe a few places down here and then nothing but holes. I don't know. You would know when you do this. You'll find that out. And so now that's, that's not good, but it is good. It's good. Now you're facing reality. Now the team is sitting. Now every time you meet, the, one of your questions is going to be, what holes have we filled this month, this week, or however many times you're meeting? This, you know, you can do it monthly. You can do it every two weeks, whatever. But how many holes have you filled? How many, what have you done here to build your team? And how are your, once that's t- built, and then how, w- let's, let's see where, what, whole, what boxes have we filled up? Who have we kept plugged in? Now, now you're facing reality, so something's going to change if you're paying attention and you make it a priority. Okay, now how do you fill the holes? I don't want to leave you there. How, how do you fill the holes if you have this sit- the situation I just described? Well, there's four steps to fill in the holes. Four major steps to filling the holes. The first step is, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with just filling the holes. Sometimes it has to do with upgrading the holes. But the first step is we put our top leaders. You're always, as a CEO, as a leader, you're always looking to put your top leaders on the highest priority the highest priority. You want to put your best people on the highest priority. So you're, you've identified your priorities here, the top five, and then these five, and then down line, and wherever, wherever we're talking about, what are the top five priorities, and what's the best person to plug in there, to be the point person, somebody to lead it. And you have this continual problem, and I said it already, but Oh, thank you very much, Pastor, for you know, wanting me to do that, but I can do all things through Christ just with children. That's it. Praise the Lord. And we have no flexibility. People won't want to move. When we talk about succession planning, I'm going to talk to you about how we help people go. That's leadership. 
How do we help people go where they don't want to go, do what they don't want to do, get up when they don't want to get up? We've got to learn the art of doing that. I had to. Top leaders on the highest priority. Remember I told you how we establish priorities? The thing that needs the greatest amount of change. This needs a huge amount of change here. And whatever these need, whatever that is. So we put our top leaders on the highest priority. And as you're filling holes, then you're going to be looking for what leader? To fill this hole right here, this is obviously the highest priority because they're on your team. And your team is the executive leadership team and we're missing somebody here. So we're looking down here. Who do we have here, 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 and wherever we have an X instead of an O, and we move that person up. But we can't move them up unless somebody under that. We can't move this person up to here unless somebody down here can take their place. So you're stuck because you have no depth. And I, and I, I don't want to quantify this by a percentage, but in the, in the business world, I would tell somebody that I brought into my department or somebody that I hired from the outside, I said, you have one year to get somebody to be 85% of you. And if you don't do that, you'll have chosen to remove yourself from the position. Because we've got we to gotta duplicate. We've got to replicate here. That's what, now, I, I'm not going to put a percentage on it here because there could be such a disparity between you or the leader and this new entry-level person since we're bringing people in entry-level so much right now. But we have to have the mindset that we have to develop the person that is under us and more than one person to the degree that we can. That's why we work in teams because simultaneously you're developing five. Okay, number two, utilization. Utilization. What does that mean? How are you utilizing people? You're underutilizing people in your own ministry. We're not keeping the ones God sends. We're not training the ones we keep. And we're underutilizing the ones we have. Underutilization. You say, no, what do you mean? This is what I mean. The guy who came through the door to the sanctuary to your church eight years ago. The guy came in. He went through, he had, when he came in, he had a 300,000, he just started, a $300,000 company in Winston. Okay, and he came in and he said, he went through membership class, and when he, when he graduated, he said, I, I want to usher. And we said, wow, great, we need ushers. We need it, we, that'd be great, you're in the usher corps. There he goes. Eight years later, this guy is now has a $3 million business in Winston, and he's still ushering, and you're trying to build a ministry. I'm not knocking ushering. Well, you're trying to build a ministry. Look at this mess. Just in one little area of the ministry. We, this guy knows how to build something, and we're, we're supposed to be builders, enlargers, expanders, creators, innovators. He knows how to do it, but he's ushering. You can get a lot of people to usher. The next entry level, get them an usher. Teach them what they need to do right, you know, not slam people into their seat and but we can fill that void much easier than we can to find people to build the ministry for you so we have to start utilizing this the, the lady that came through the door eight years ago she she just got her law degree and she said I love babies and I like to I like to rock babies and read them stories great we need you over here 
So eight years later, she's a partner in the law firm. <laughs> and she's still rocking babies. We need baby rockers. I mean, I'm not knocking baby rockers. But, but we need builders. She's, she knows how to relate to people. She's a partner in the law firm. She's been helping people to such a degree that they made her a partner in the law firm. And she's still rocking babies. And you got that happening all over your ministry. So how are you going to identify this problem? What are you going to do? Are you going to get a list of everybody and then study it and then figure out what to do? Are you going to do that? No, hopefully no. You're going you're to give direction. And you're going to say, okay, guys, I want to get a list of everybody in the ministry that's serving. You have to give direction here. You have to give them an assignment. And you can discuss with them, you know, what's the cause of this? Well, because we're not paying attention, Pastor. You know, we, we never even thought of this. Utilization, proper utilization. Oh, let's, what would be the benefit of thinking about it and doing it? And I'll start telling you that. Okay, well, let's do it. Okay, then let's get a list. So you direct them, get a list of everybody who's serving. For some of you, it might be 14 people, and some of you, 140. I don't know. But you get a list of everybody who's serving. And then you tell them, I want, here's your assignment. You're not going to sit here for hours and do this. You give them an assignment. Say, okay, I want you to dissect the list. Get the, first get the list, then I want you to look at the list, and I want you to identify where we're underutilizing people. Now, when I said that, what, what might have surfaced in your gut right then? The Holy Spirit might have been telling you. Right then, you just gave a direction. Remember, what could go wrong? Remember the first question around the table? What could go wrong with what I just said? That's, you have to think like that. And the Holy Spirit will tell you if you're listening. That's, come on, let's take advantage of the, the, the great advantage we have. So the Holy Spirit will tell you, you need to take one more step here in the direction setting for success. And so you'll say, guys, what, what, what could go wrong here? Well, pastor, one of us could be protective of somebody on our team that we don't want to acknowledge is underutilized. And so we're, you know, that's right, George, that's a propensity. I'm concerned about that too. I don't believe you do that. Remember honesty? Remember honesty? So don't go there. See, that's all you got to do when you've established what honesty is. We've already done that three times. All you got to do is say the word, honesty. So don't go there, guys. If don't protect somebody, don't hide somebody. Don't all oh, whether well, see I trained them, and I, everything they are is due to me. Praise the Lord. So you gotta act like okay. Utilization number three is high potential people, hypos. The world calls them hypos. High potential people. Who are they? Well, they're people that, you, that have a degree, people that have experience in another ministry. People, they, need, they still need to understand your culture before you put them to work. But they have experience. They're the plant manager down, down the road. They, ha, they ha, are an executive in a company. Uh, they have a, a degree. Now, look, I'm, I'm not talking about being respecters of persons here, okay? In other words, the guy in the suit we favor him, and the guy who crawled out from under the bridge, you know, he's worthless. No, but, but the guy who crawled out under the bridge can't help us build the ministry right now. We have to help him rebuild his life. 
Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. But the guy who has potential, I mean, if you're this short of people, come on, we got to seek. First, you got to ask for them. Are you praying them in? Are you asking for them? Are you making that a point of intercession? And we're praying these people in? You have not because you ask not. Then are you seeking them? Are you seeking them or is your team seeking them? Because they're more likely to see them than you. Are they seeking the people? And then are we getting them on a fast track? Fast tracking them because we need all the help we can get as fast as we can get it. So you've got to ask, seek, and fast track them. And how do you do that? You can create special projects. You say, well, I can't turn them loose on the sheep because they haven't been through the DNA training. But you can get them on a project. For example, you don't have anybody assigned to this thing here? And here, here's, here's you. No room. Um, here, here's you. And here's your team. But the, they, there's nobody here that can handle anything more yet. And we got to work on this. Well, so that we could put it on the shelf. You may have to. But when I say fast track, you can create a team that will be just an interim team, just a short-term team. And it will be a team that's going to work on this. And they're going to report to you for a season, maybe just three months. Or you assign them to report to somebody here that you trust, but perhaps they just report to you. A special task force, a special assignment. And you say, I'd like, and you pick out five people that look high potential, and you make one of them, got to have somebody in charge. One person, the point person. And sometimes you can let them select their leader, and that usually is the leader that they surface. But, you know, you put, you put somebody in charge, but you say, guys, I have a, an assignment. I really need your help. You're not turning them loose on the sheep. The only person they're turned loose on is you. So, but we have this situation here. I'd like you to research it. I'd like you to get some facts, work with our people and get some facts. And I'd like you to give me recommendations on what you think we could do. And give me, a, first I want to see a plan of how you're going to approach it. And then I want to see the, the, the result. Now, what are, you checking, what are you getting a check on right now from previous experience? Oh, well, you give somebody like that and they turn in their plan and I can't approve it because you have to get it approved by your CEO, right? And so they, they get an attitude. You know, they go around telling everybody in the ministry, you're, you know, you're stupid. You couldn't recognize a good idea when you saw one if it hit you in the face. You know, and so you tell them right up front, guys, I'm trying to help you understand how to give direction and how to head off problems. So you, you, when that comes up in your spirit, you got you got so much in here if you just listen and act on it. Prioritize it. Recognize it. Prioritize it and do something. with. So you say, guys, I need your help, but we have to have one understanding here. I have to make the final decision, and it has to be approval from God. Now, you can give me your plan, and if I can't approve it exactly the way you turned it, even if I can't approve any of it, I'm going to value what you did, but I hope you'll value our relationship enough that you will know that I have to get an answer from God and you will not leave our meeting, our relationship, and go around telling people anything negative about it, okay? This is between. 
And you've got to tell them that. And if anybody feels like you can't do that, then I can't have you on the team. Okay? So tell me right now. I've got to get a commitment again. Can you do that? Can you honor that commitment? If you can't, it's okay, but I can't have you on the team. And so we create opportunities to fast-track high-potential people. And then finally, number four. Number four is the Pareto principle, the 20% doing the 80% of the work. So we've got opportunity right here, guys. My gosh, 80% of the people are doing nothing, and they're here. They're a bird in the hand, and they're doing nothing. So what's the plan to get them into action? Well, and who are these 80? Quickly. Who are these 80? Well, they're the people that passed on the membership class, so they never qualified to serve. Well, we don't ask you more than once. That's, we give you one chance, and that's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you're on your own after that, boy. We don't need anybody. You know, we're not going to bother asking you twice. No, we need, to, we need to do whatever we can to get them through that class, all right? Whatever it takes, get them through that class. Oh, pastor, we asked them once, and they didn't like it. Ask them again. Come up with a plan to get them in the class. Think outside the box and get them in the class. Okay, and then, then the, so that's most of them. Then there's the ones that got to the class, but only a third of them made it through the class. So let's get them re-enrolled. Let's get them back in, pick up where you left off, or start over, something. But we need them. And then the rest are the, then there's three that escaped over how many years? Times all those people that escaped, they tra they're trained, they're ready to go. They qualified for service, and we never went after them. Again, sheep went over the wall. And then there's those that served for years, but they had to drop out for a season. Dad died and Mom moved in. She needed full-time care. And so Susie had to drop out. She was a leader in the children's ministry, but she had to drop out for a season because Mom needed full-time care. But Mom's been in heaven with Dad for four years, and we never asked her to come back. We don't even know who these people are. We don't have... We're not tracking. We're not paying attention. We're just busy. We're just busy. Busyness is not the criteria for success. So these are, here's three opportunities right now to start filling those holes in addition to keeping the ones God sends. So this is how you fill the holes. And when you, when you do that, you're going to start to have, there's no chance until you start to fill the holes, until you start to build depth. And you start filling them from the top down, the highest holes first. And you just keep filling them and you keep recruiting and you keep doing that. The steps, one, two, three, and four. And build your organization. Guys, this is not a quick fix. You didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. So we have to chart the course, which is planning to change. We've got to stay the course, which is evaluating change. 